great, isn't it? To be able to, even when we struggle to come together in person for, for whatever different reasons, uh, to gather on campus, we're still able to have it together virtually. And so uh, welcome again to all of you who are, who are joining online. Um, and if you are watching, say hi. Say hi to each other in the comments. Um, it's always good to see who's who's around and and and, and who's uh, who's saying what what what's good about today. Um, share what's good about today with each other. And, and as I'm talking around right now, um, comment on the things that you're hearing. You know, start conversation about uh, around this this really important theme. It's this important topic that we're going to be uh, looking at because um, it's incredibly important, right? The whole of the Apostles' Creed is foundational. It's scriptural summary and you can't believe, um, you can't be a follower of Jesus. You can't be a Christian if you don't believe and agree with the entirety of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, so to launch the message part for today, um, I'm trying to go ahead and read um, from 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8, just to kind of uh, get us into, um, into, the, into the groove <laughs> as, as, we, as we dig into this, this, this theme. So... Uh, starting at verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that we are called, you are called that you might inherit a blessing. For those who desire to love life and to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. When you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey. And when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight lives, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you. 
not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. That the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. in the Apostles Creed we profess our belief in Jesus Christ in his place in the Trinity and today we're going to unpack uh, the profess that that he suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified died and was buried And in the Nicene Creed, it said slightly differently. Um, It says, for our sake, he, that's Jesus, was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And this is what we're looking at today. That reading from 1 Peter, it really digs into suffering. Yeah. Into what it is for followers of Jesus to suffer in life as they as they give way to his teaching as they as they choose to live into what it is that he calls them to over and above uh, their own will their own desires and and as we sung this morning god so loved the world that he gave his only son to save us it really digs into that because here in 1 peter we've got verse 18 and we're, we're told that that this suffering of Jesus was for sins once and for all that it was so that the unrighteous may be made righteous this suffering was so that you so that I may be brought into relationship with God see we're in the middle of the Apostles Creed as we're looking to it we're in the middle here this central the most extensive piece in which we profess faith in the chosen one, in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. And and, and in the middle of this segment, what is really the focal point of our faith? We're stating here not only that Christ died, but we're stating how he died. We're stating who was ultimately responsible for his death. And after his death, that he was removed from the cross in his body, was sealed in a stone cold tomb. See, away, away from the triune God, there are only two mentions of others in the creed. And last week we looked at Jesus' incarnation, didn't we? We, where we saw how he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, takes a prominent role in our faith. And she's named here in the creeds. And then the other is Pontius Pilate. But why, why this man, Roman governor, he gets a place in the creeds of the Christian church? And the answer is actually quite simple. Um, it places the event in history. By saying that Jesus was put to death at the hands of Pontius Pilate, we're being reminded that Jesus was a man who walked and talked. That he lived a, a real time in history. Not, not some fictional fairy tale a long time ago in, in a galaxy far, far away. 
but here on the earth which we also walk on and the early church they weren't putting this article of faith together for us uh, they wanted us to be aware of that that they wanted us to be sure that our faith is about God acting in history but there is more to it see by having the name of Pontius Pilate stated in the creed and connecting it to the suffering of Jesus we're reminded that it's real people who are responsible for Christ's death now I want to make sure that you are not going to lose me here um, I didn't say were responsible or if I did I didn't mean to um, I'm meaning to say real people are responsible for Jesus' death see let's follow the story of the gospel a little yes there's historical figures who play their part Judas he betrayed Jesus Pilate was responsible for passing the sentence the Romans as they executed him the religious leaders as they fabricated those charges and they stoked up the crowd the crowd as they chanted for execution Peter as he denies Jesus three times but all of this all of this just shows people in their playing their part in Christ's death but for us to lay claim that the death of Christ was the fault of any of these individuals or or groups of people and leave it there that's that's to miss the whole point of the gospel see the killing of Jesus reveals the fallen nature of humans to put it a different way um, you killed Jesus I killed Jesus it was our sin which was behind the whole thing now just let that sink in this part of the story it's not a it's not a, a feel-good story it's not um, rainbows and butterflies it's, it's the complete opposite it, it, it teaches us that teaches that we are even worse than we think we are and it reminds us that it's our sin that held Jesus on the cross of Calvary but as we let as we let that sit as we take in the the enormity of what we actually profess here you see those of you who might watch this who haven't responded to God who haven't who haven't allowed their eyes to be open who haven't allowed your ears to become unblocked and and and, and received the good news this act this act of Jesus on the cross is is at most a, a brutal act in history but for those of you who believe those who place faith in Christ Jesus this is the most amazing truth 
and yet also at the same time the most chilling truth that there has ever been it's amazing but it's chilling it's it's I want to say terrifying almost when you really think about it. See, I don't want to take away the suffering that Jesus went through during his, his, his passion, during his, his last days. Because we say he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Or he suffered, died and was buried. And let's just think about that. He was... He was beaten to within an inch of his life. He was weakened so much that someone else had to carry the cross for him so that it could get to the destination for him to be hung on it. He had a crown of thorns placed around his head, cutting in to his scalp. He was exhausted, literally, he was literally emptied of life. But yet that is the very reason for which he came. The very reason which the prophet Isaiah um, spoke about years previously. I'll just touch on a few uh, of, of, of those prophecies, a few of the verses from Isaiah. You got, uh, chapter 52, verse 13, tells us that the Messiah will prosper. Okay? He will prosper. That is, that is to fulfill the mission for which he came. He will achieve his mission. And Isaiah 50, uh, 53, I think it is, begins. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had not form. He had not from his appearance that should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others. A man of suffering acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces. He was despised and, and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities, he had carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that was made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All like sheep have gone astray, we have turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of his all the mission clearly laid out there in Isaiah that's what the Messiah is about that's what the Messiah would suffer for the sake of his people and so when we pro when we proclaim in in either the Apostles Creed or or as we less frequently here use the Nicene Creed that Jesus suffered what we're saying is that he was fully man, that he felt every bit the pain and the turmoil that a man put through crucifixion would feel. 
But not only that, we're saying that this suffering was for us. I've said it throughout this series that the creed sums up scripture. I said it earlier on today. What's in the creed is 100% biblically accurate. It espouses the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, the chosen one, in the Messiah, in the Son of God. And now I just, I just spoke of Jesus being fully man, fully experiencing all of that pain from being flogged, from being beaten to within an inch of his life and then nailed to a cross to die. And that would all be almost meaningless if we are not prepared to, as is professed in the creed, acknowledge the deity of Christ. For the act of Jesus hanging on the cross, held there by your sin, by my sin, by the sins of the world, then for that act to have meaning, as we profess it to have meaning, then Jesus must also be fully divine as well as be fully man. See, for, for him not to be fully divine would mean that he was not fully innocent. And if he wasn't fully innocent, then it would be impossible for him to be a perfect sacrifice that could take away the sins of the world. Because he is, as, as John the Baptist refers to him, the, the, the Lamb of God, the spotless, unblemished lamb, the only possible way in which God's wrath would not fall on us. See, holding a faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that's what brings salvation. Okay, his submission on the cross to go all the way for you, all the way for me, to endure that punishment, the punishment which really we deserve a punishment which he was he didn't deserve that's atonement that's what we call it atonement and Christ's atonement it created for us the ability to be at one with the father because sin is a curse wherever we sin we declare war against God because sin is to go against God's will it's against his ways and, and Paul writes that the result of sin is death but God's grace is sufficient his grace is overflowing for you the more you submit to him as he submitted to the mission of going to the cross then the less you will seek sin See, our desire should be nothing else than to boast in the cross. This amazing, glorious cross. Yes, it, it, it's a barbaric tool that was used as a means of torture. But without it, you and I would still be lost in our sin. But because of it, we get to bask in the glory of God. We get to celebrate new life. See, the cross is at the center of the gospel and to deny the cross at any level is to deny the gospel at all levels. Uh, you put it another way, to, to deny substitutionary atonement, 
to, to, to deny that Jesus had to die so that we could be free. He would take on our sins. He would be our substitute. To deny that is to deny that which God has revealed to us of himself. Because our God is a God who saves, a God who, who goes out of his way, who gives his only son so that all may be saved. Everyone has that opportunity to, to respond and to step into salvation. And that's what we sang just before. And I want to invite you now to respond to what God is doing in your life to respond to what you have heard said this morning last week we looked at jesus being conceived of the holy spirit and born of the virgin mary that's christmas and it's an important part of our faith but christmas would mean nothing if good friday didn't happen See, the cross may have been a tool of execution for the Romans. But for us, for Christians all over the world, uh, throughout ages past, the cross is and shall remain a symbol of glory. A symbol of victory. A symbol of redemption. So let's lift up our Saviour, who went to, the went to the cross at Calvary. Let's, let's lift up our King, who conquered the grave and we'll look more at that in a couple of weeks time let's lift up the one true God who lives in those who surrender to him and leads them into victory over death so as we as we spend time responding we're going to play a few songs and I encourage you to to be singing to be proclaiming the truth that these songs uh, proclaim. I encourage you to be praying. And if you're with others, pray with them. Um, if you're home alone, spend time contemplating what God is saying to you right now as you respond to that. Um, you can call into the prayer room, which will be open um, as, we, as we have these songs playing. anyone who wants to call in and, and pray with others pray with a member of our team pray with with someone who can just listen and pray over you maybe you need help praying with 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 them maybe you need help praying for someone else who you know you just want them to receive that call you want them to hear the good news and respond let's spend time just lifting up our Saviour, listening for what he would have us submit to today as we follow in his call, as we imitate his submission. Because that, that is how we gain victory over death.